You're listening to the Touch Em Up Podcast. I'm your host, Double M, and on today's episode, we're going to be breaking down NXT TakeOver War Games and Survivor Series results, as well as a multitude of UFC fight announcements that have been made over the, this past week, which have really shot the calendar of 2020 into full gear. So without any further ado, let's get this started and step into the ring. All right, guys, as I said in the intro, we have a ton of stuff to go over today. There have been so many UFC fight announcements. You know, you really go on your Instagram or your Twitter or go on any type of social media and you see, you know, a fight announcement here. Okay, a fight announcement there. Okay, here's three or four fights that got announced for a certain card. And then you don't get anything for a few weeks. And then you're like, oh, well, what's going to happen? But literally over this last week, we've had like 15 fight announcements. More than that, but like big fights and important fights, about 15 fights. That's insane. They have literally been like, okay, guys, they're like, 2019 was a good year. Hold my beer. Boom. Right into 2020, the first two months are already just banging right off the bat. Just coming in hot, swinging for the fences, looking to knock you out with that Nganu type of fight card, if you know what I mean. But let's start off with some wrestling. We have a lot to go over in terms of this last past weekend, you know, NXT NXT War Games and uh, Survivor Series 2019, which took place in the Allstate Arena in Chicago, Illinois. I Again, and first of all, I want to say this podcast is late. You know, it's two days late. I know I never really miss any scheduling. It's always Monday, Friday, every week. But I was a little bit busy this week, and I just had some stuff that came up. So I, so I apologize for being late, but I definitely will make it up to you with this with this podcast today because we've got so much to go over. First of all, yeah, let's start out with NXT War Games. It's such an amazing show. I mean, really from top to bottom, I really think they just really went out and, you know, NXT takeovers never disappoint. There's never been a bad NXT takeover. Even the early ones when they first started in like 2014, 2015, there's never been a bad takeover. And this is just more the same. Chicago is always a hot crowd for pro wrestling, for WWE, for anybody, for any type of promotion. We're always hot for uh, pro wrestling. And it was nothing different here. You know, they opened up the show on the pre-show with Angel Garza versus Isaiah Swerve Scott. I couldn't remember his name for a second. But, man, they really put on a good match, especially for the pre-show they really came out and put on everything. You know, Isaiah Swerve Scott, he's got that a bunch of unique, unorthodox moves. He'll walk across the ropes, give you a Hurricane Rana to the outside. He'll do a handstand into a Hurricane Rana. He'll run you up against the ropes and do like a tilt-a-whirl moonsault and land on you. I mean, he's just got super good movement and everything like that and has really just a really unique style and really brings him out in front of a crowd and you know exactly who Isaiah Swerve Scott is. And that's, that means a lot. I mean, the best thing about professional wrestling is to be your own character and to be, you know, the best you can be. And I really think that Isaiah Swerve Scott is making himself into such a unique character. And that's saying a lot considering what we have on NXT. Everybody feels unique, but he really just puts himself out. And uh, he lost his match to Angel Garza. Angel Garza, you know, to be honest, he reminds me of what Alberto Del Rio should have been when he came to WWE. You know, they kind of played off Alberto Del Rio as 
a new version of a JBL. Like that's what I always thought of him was he was a new version of a JBL. He'd come out in his new scarves and his new cars and drive out and come on. Oh, he's got the, he's got the henchman with him to do his promos, you know, Ricardo Rodriguez. And I really think that Angel Garza to me is what Alberto Del Rio should have been. You know, he's, he doesn't really cut a lot of promos, but his character, his, his swagger and everything like that, you know, he just has the whole package. He comes out, you know, he's got those, uh, I don't want to call them chaps, but he's got those certain type of pants on. He walks out, he goes up to the crowd, boom, he rips off his, uh, his gear like halfway through a match. And then, you know, he's ready to go. And he's got such a good, he's just got such a good in-ring style. I don't, I was going to go on a little bit further with that, but we have so much to cover. But anyway, uh, Angel Garza ended up getting the win with the wing clipper. Um, that's a really good finishing move. I like it. It's, it's the crunchy roll that, uh, it's like a version of the crunchy roll that Trent Beretta uses, isn't it? Isn't that the move that Trent uses? I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure it's like, uh, it's the crunchy roll, but just a really nice move and just crushes the opponent. Got the one, two, three Angel Garza is then going to go on to face Leo Rush for the NXT Cruiserweight Championship, I'm pretty sure. And I know, I think tonight, does Angel, does uh, Leo Rush face Akira Tozawa for the NXT Championship? Again, this is being done on a Wednesday, so NXT's actually going on right now as we speak. But let's go on to the next match. We had, this isn't going to be in order. I'm just going to go on with what I had it written down. Next, we had a triple threat match. Pete Dunne, Killian Dane, Damian Priest. The winner would go on to Survivor Series the next night to battle Adam Cole for the NXT Championship. This was a really, really good triple threat match and way better than what I expected. You know, it was really just hard-hitting action from bell to bell. You know, just constant kicks, punches, knees, everything you could ask for in a match in a triple threat. Killian Dane played the huge powerhouse really well. Damian Priest just came in and messed people up with his, you know, uh, discus boots and his chops and his claps to the side of your ear. And then Pete Dunne brought a little bit more of a technical style to the match. And there were so many near falls. There was a point where I thought Killian Dane was going to win. There was a point where I thought Pete Dunne was going to win. There was a point where I thought Damian Priest was going to get the win. And to be honest, I always thought Pete Dunne was going to get the victory because you can take a guy like Killian Dane and Damian Priest. You could take those two and have them go off into a feud on their own. That's why I feel like there wouldn't have been any reason to give Damian Priest or Killian Dane the title match because you can build to Damian Priest challenging Adam Cole for the NXT Championship. You can build a guy like Killian Dane up and have him keep crushing the competition. I think they have more faith in a guy like Damian Priest to carry the NXT brand than they do with a guy like Killian Dane. Not to say Killian Dane isn't a good performer in the ring and that he can do a lot of things that big men can't do. Tell that to Keith Lee. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I just knew that Pete Dunne was going to be the guy and it would be perfect storytelling for him to win the NXT Championship in Chicago, the place where he won his first WWE Championship, the NXT United Kingdom Championship at TakeOver Chicago at their first event in 2017. And... Again, Pete Dunne got the victory by rolling up. I believe he got the pin on D on uh, Killian Dane. I could be. No, you know what? He got the pin on Damian Priest. I think. I think Killian landed like a his senton, his back senton, and then um, 
And then Pete Dunne ended up rolling up and getting the victory to become the number one contender and go on to challenge Adam Cole for the NXT Championship at Survivor Series. Up next, we've got Women's War Games. On the first team, you had Rhea Ripley, Candice LeRae, Tegan Knox, and Mia Yim going up against the team captained by Shayna Baszler of Baszler, Io Shirai, Bianca Belair, and Kaylee Ray. This was a fantastic match. They really did some good storytelling in this match. They had the heel turn of Dakota Kai finally, you know, moving over to the dark side and becoming a heel and turning on her teammate Tegan Knox and basically destroying her knee. I mean, putting it in between the cages, hitting her with a steel chair over and over and over again, putting her leg in between the cage door and slamming it and just really just putting her out of commission. And that was going to give Team Ripley just against all odds. You know, they had, they really had to fight against all odds to take the, the win and they got the win. And that's really what made this match so great. The first two p women in the match were Io Shirai and Candice LeRae. And the crowd was chanting fight forever. And they had a fantastic opening sequence for this match. Obviously, you can't call it a singles match. But I would love to see them have another singles match. I'm pretty sure they had a singles match on either another TakeOver or an episode of NXT. And they tore the house down. But with, with girls like, with women like Io Shirai and Candice LeRae, you know you're going to get fantastic storytelling. You know you're going to get high-flying action, and you know you're going to get a well-thought-out match, and that's exactly what we got here. Um, the, the finishing sequence, we're just going to cover the finishing sequence. Obviously, it was when Rhea Ripley and Shayna Baszler were handcuffed to each other, and Baszler was hitting her, hitting her over and over and over again, and uh, she locked in the Karafuda clutch, and uh, it looked like Rhea Ripley was going to go to sleep. She ended up breaking out of the Karafuda clutch, kicking uh, Shayna Baszler in the head over and over and over again. Baszler would then reverse that and go for the Karafuda clutch again. I'm pretty sure Rhea Ripley got out of that. And then Baszler went for a roundhouse kick. Ripley ducked underneath it, pulled Baszler's hand underneath, landed the riptide through steel chairs, which were set up. It was like three on each side. The rip tied right through the steel chairs. Got the one, two, three. Rhea Ripley wins it for her team at NXT War Games for the first ever female War Games match. This was fantastic. You know it was going to be good with the level of performers you had in the match to begin with. And they really just went out on a limb and put on one of the best matches we've seen in NXT recently. You know, Rhea Ripley, and I'm going to cover this a little bit as we get into Survivor Series, but Rhea Ripley is the woman to carry this women's revolution. I don't even like to call it that because women's wrestling has just taken off, but a revolution is like, oh, they're going to get real good and then they're going to just fade off into obscurity. No, they're coming in hot and NXT is putting women's wrestling on the map more and more week by week. And Rhea Ripley for being only, I believe she's 23, 24 years old for being that young and being able to put on such stellar matches and have such a unique character in the women's division just a real badass character and just being able to get the win over Shayna Baszler. I believe that Rhea Ripley will be the one to defeat Shayna Baszler for the NXT women's championship, probably at the next takeover or maybe on an episode of NXT on a weekly episode on USA. But Rhea Ripley is the women, the woman to take NXT and carry it to newer levels. than I think the women's division has, has seen in NXT to begin with, you know, the first, pioneers of the women's division in NXT were, were uh, Becky, Bailey, Sasha, and Charlotte. To be honest, I think that 
um, Sasha and Bailey were really the first two to put the women's division on the map for NXT. And Rhea Ripley is carrying that torch with flying colors. I think she is a much better fit of, a, of an NXT women's champion than Shayna Baszler is currently. Obviously, Shayna can put on a good match. She can speak well on the mic, but she just doesn't really do it for me. And Kevin or keep this title for so long, and then she lost it to Kyrie, and then got it back right away. I just don't think that was the smartest decision. I think they should have had Kyrie Sane hold the women's championship for a little bit longer in her reign and really establish herself as a top champion, and then make her way up to the main roster. But hey, she's the women's tag team champions with uh, Asuka, part of the Kabuki Warriors on the main roster. So I guess, you know, she's doing well for herself. But this, again, like I said, this match was super good. Everybody put on a good performance. And it was just top-notch. Top-notch storytelling, top-notch everything from the teammates being taken out and Rhea Ripley having to fight against all odds. It was just great. And, you know, exactly what we expected and more than what we expected. Up next, we'll do Matt Riddle versus Finn Balor. Now, I'm going to be completely honest. I did not watch this match live. My stream for TakeOver kept going out, and it kept pausing during that match. And I ended up being able to catch up on TakeOver right after this match. But I know Finn Balor got the win over Matt Riddle. And then I watched the highlights of the match today, so I'm a little bit fresh on that. I just actually watched it to make sure I knew what I was going to say. And, man, they put on a great match. Matt Riddle doesn't disappoint. Finn Balor... One of the best wrestlers you have in WWE. You don't have to agree with me. I know a lot of people have kind of soured on Finn Balor recently. I know my buddy Darren I had on the podcast is earlier. You know who I'm talking about if you're a fan of this uh, this show. He is not a fan of Finn Balor, Finn Balor at all. And uh, I don't know why. Honestly, I think he just thinks he's a little bit stale. But hopefully, you know, next time we get him on, we'll crack that code and see why he really just doesn't like Finn Balor. But I thought that they put on a great match from the highlights I saw. You know. Really, really good finishing sequence. And I like how Baylor's using the uh, Bloody Sunday or the 1916, as he likes to call it, I'm pretty sure. The move he used in Japan when he was Prince Devitt, and he's bringing it back with this new heel character. He landed it uh, to finish the match against Matt Riddle after Riddle went for a the uh, Revolution knee strike. Baylor ended up blocking it, reversing it into the uh, Bloody Sunday and getting the win 1-2-3. This is a good win for Finn Balor, especially with this new heel character in NXT. He's going to be able to put on matches week by week by week that just really bring out what he wants to showcase on the main roster that they really haven't let him showcase ever since they brought him up. You know, I thought when he came back from his injury and they finally moved him over to SmackDown, in the superstar shakeup, I thought that SmackDown was going to be a new ground for Finn Balor. He was going to bring out what he has been wanting to do for so long, ever since he won the Universal Championship and became the first Universal Champion at SummerSlam 2016 against Seth Rollins. And he never really got up off the ground after he returned from injury. They never let him do what Finn Balor was capable of doing. And I think this character of the Prince Devitt, Finn Balor is back and it's going to be great for him in NXT. And this was the first match. Obviously, like I said, I didn't watch the whole thing. I'm probably actually going to tune into that and watch it right after I finish this podcast. But the highlights I saw, Matt Riddle never puts on a bad match. He's got hard hitting strikes, just back and forth MMA style, but he mixes it so well with his pro wrestling. And uh, it was just great from top to bottom. And yeah, Balor got the win. I would expect him to probably face Adam Cole 
for the NXT Championship pretty soon, but I believe before that we should get Finn Balor versus Pete Dunne on NXT TV. If you don't want to see that match, check your pulse because you know those guys would put on a great match. Finn Balor and Johnny Gargano, which was supposed to be happening, but Gargano got pulled out due to an injury. We need that match now too because you know it's going to be amazing. So, let yeah, we'll see what happens, but super, super good match, and I wouldn't expect anything less from these two. Then we had the main event, the men's war game match with a team of the Undisputed Era, Adam Cole, Roderick Strong, Bobby Fish, and Kyle O'Reilly going up against Tommaso Ciampa, Keith Lee, Dominic Dijakovic, and a to-be-announced mystery partner, which turned out to be the Raw superstar, Kevin Owens, coming into NXT to fight off the Undisputed Era. Great, great match here. You know exactly what it's going to be in war games with the Undisputed Era. It's going to be good tag team, good technical wrestling mixed with badass all-out brawls, throwing off against the cage, moonsaults, everything you could possibly think of is what we got in this NXT War Games match. And I'm obviously not going to talk about the whole match because I want to cover this pretty quickly because we got to move on to Survivor Series. I want to keep this in one part. But the finishing sequence... (laughs) <laughs> Mick Foley eats your heart out. It was Adam Cole and Tommaso Ciampa on the top of the War Games cage. And there was a table set up, two tables set up, I believe, actually, in the in the cage, you know, getting ready. We knew something was going to happen, but maybe one of them would go down and the other one would stay on top of the cage and then the teammate would get the pin. Nope, not what happened. They basically killed themselves. <laughs> so what happened was Tommaso Ciampa put... Adam Cole into the, I believe it's called the air air crash or air raid siren, whatever it is. The I will call it the Irish curse because that's what Seamus calls it, where you have the guy over your back, you got their head with one arm, and you have your other arm in between their leg, and then you fall backwards, and it's supposed to like crush them and crush on top of them. And Tommaso Ciampa did this move off the top of the cage through two tables, and we thought everybody died. I mean, it was it was such a high-impact move, and he just fell into the cover on top of Adam Cole and got the 1-2-3 for his team. Now, Undisputed Era is 1-2 and two in War Games matches, I believe, but they always deliver, and they delivered more of the same on Survivor Series. But Ciampa, I believe, I thought the Undisputed Era was going to get the win here, but usually when they give a mystery partner on a team, that team usually wins whenever it's a mystery partner, and this man ended up being Kevin Owens. And yeah, it was just amazing. It was nice to see Kevin Owens back in NXT. And again, like I said, it was war games. What more would you expect? They did an amazing job. And I can't wait to watch NXT after we finish this episode. Now let's move on to Survivor Series. We had Becky versus Bailey versus Sasha or versus Shayna, which main evented the show. I'm going to be honest, didn't watch it. Watch the entire rest, rest, watch the rest of the show in its entirety. Skip to the main event. Not because I didn't want to see it, but I just felt like it wasn't going to deliver and it should definitely not have been the main event. What should have main evented was either The Fiend versus Daniel Bryan or Lesnar versus Mysterio. Even though Lesnar and Mysterio's match was only about five, ten minutes long, they covered so much in that story. Boom, 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 boom. And I feel like that could have been a good way to close the show. If it was my decision... I would have had the five on five on five Ross SmackDown NXT match close the show or the Fiend versus Brian, but I think they didn't do the Fiend and Brian closing the show because there wasn't too much build. And I think you could get so much more build out of a show out of uh, 
a Brian and Fiend storyline for the title down the line. So I think that's probably part of the reason that it didn't close. Let's cover, uh, obviously, Shayna won the match between Becky Bailey and Sasha and uh, ended up closing the victory for NXT. NXT won the weekend. NXT won Survivor Series. They beat out Raw and SmackDown, and they beat them pretty heavily. I believe NXT was... Four wins, Raw had two, SmackDown had one, something like that. It was I, I could have been wrong, but it was something like that. So, yeah, they, they got the win. They got the win comfortably and showed why NXT is the dominant brand in WWE. And that's the best thing I think they could have done. To, they really showcased NXT this past weekend, put them on the map just to show how good they are as a brand. And it's not a developmental brand. It's its own thing. And now it's one of the top dogs in WWE. And it, it's the number one brand. That's what Survivor Series made it seem like. You beat out Raw and SmackDown when you got guys like Rollins, Lesnar, Wyatt, Brian, and Styles, and everybody else on the show. And you're beating it out with NXT. It just goes to show how good NXT really is. You had the uh, triple threat tag team match between the Viking Raiders, the Undisputed Era teaming of Kyle O'Reilly and Bobby Fish, and the New Day. This was a great tag team triple threat match. They really... I mean, I think it could have been better, but for what it was, it was absolutely amazing. And the Viking Raiders ended up getting the win over, I believe they pinned the Undisputed Era. I think they pinned uh, Kyle O'Reilly, I want to say. But they put on a good match. You know, it was great storytelling. Obviously, the Undisputed Era always works good as a technical tag team, and they can mix it up with their striking style. And those two, with the Viking Raiders mixed in, obviously they have chemistry from their matches in NXT, but... Just an amazing match, and the Viking Raiders ended up getting the first victory for Raw on Survivor Series. Then we had the women's 5-on-5-on-5 five on five on five match. I believe the NXT team was... Who was it on the NXT team? It was Rhea Ripley, Tony Storm, Candice LeRae, Mia Yim... Or not Mia Yim. Yeah, was it Mia Yim? No, no, okay. I believe it was... So it was Bianca Belair... Rhea Ripley, Bianca Belair, Candice LeRae, possibly Dakota Kai, and then one other one other girl. My team, my oh Tony Storm, Tony Storm was on there as well. If I'm missing one woman from the NXT team, I apologize. You know, I didn't write it down, but this was a good match as well. And I think uh, again, Team NXT got the win here. Rhea Ripley got the fin- got the um, pin to finish off the match. And uh, Jirly just cement her place in the NXT women's division, cement her place in the NXT and women's division as a whole. And I really think she did a great job. And everybody in this match did well, especially Io Shirai and Candice LeRae got taken out of the match um, during the match and got sent to the back. So NXT was at a disadvantage right out of the gate. And they had to fight back. Bianca Belair ended up eliminating two Two women on her own really showcased Bianca Belair super well in this five-on-five-on-five on five on five match. I think Asuka and Kyrie looked good as well. I mean, they really need to be on. Let's just be honest here for a second. They need to build up Asuka and Kyrie to be the most dominant force on the main roster for the women's division. Asuka was once the best women woman on the roster, NXT, Raw, or SmackDown. The best woman in the WWE, undefeated for over a year. And really, they just 
completely crushed that when she moved to the main roster. She won the Royal Rumble, faced Charlotte. I get she didn't win at WrestleMania. You know, Charlotte ended the streak. They give everything to Charlotte, you know, in terms of her being the top the top dog in the women's division. She's the top. You got to get past her. Now Becky Lynch is slowly making her climb up to the top, but I don't think she has the same effect that Charlotte Flair did. And I don't really like Charlotte Flair. Her in-ring work and stuff like that is great. But to be honest, I just think that they, they really made her like a female Roman Reigns. And I know, you know, don't shoot the messenger, but that's really what they did. I think they made Charlotte Flair in 2016 was the equivalent of Roman Reigns. You know, you lose, then you come back and you win the title and you win and you win and you win, then you lose and you get the title back and stuff like that. But I think Asuka needs to be built up. I would not mind her winning the Royal Rumble for the women's division or for the women's Royal Rumble at the Royal Rumble. I said Royal Rumble a lot there, didn't I? (laughs) I wouldn't mind her winning. I think the best decision for a winner of the Women's Royal Rumble would be either Rhea Ripley or Asuka Kairi Sane. It's got to be one of those three. I think those are definitely the best choices to win the Women's Royal Rumble. But again, let's get back to Survivor Series. We'll cover the Royal Rumble when we get closer to the event. But yeah, Team NXT ended up winning. Uh... Even though they were down on the down on team members, they had to fight back from the bottom, and they did it, and they won. And I believe Rhea Ripley ended up pinning Sasha Banks to get the victory for Team NXT. And like I said, really, really great weekend for Rhea Ripley, and she is the future, and she is also the present of the women's division currently. And that Survivor Series NXT Takeover weekend just cemented that in the history books. Up next, we had the match between. The IC champion, Shinsuke Nakamura, the, the, uh, the United States champion, former United States champion now since uh, Rey Mysterio took the belt off him on Monday. AJ, the phenomenal AJ Styles, and the NXT North American champion, Roderick Strong. This was honestly match of the night at Survivor Series. It was either this or the uh, tag team match. I think that the tag team match... No, you know what? No. What the hell am I saying? I'm losing my mind here. The best match of the night was Pete Dunne and Adam Cole for the NXT Championship. But the second best match was Nakamura, Styles, and Strong. You knew these guys were going to work well together. It was just a hard-hitting, fast-paced action for the whole, I believe they went for like probably 15 minutes, close to 15 minutes, and just really went all in on it. And the finishing sequence came when Styles hit the Styles Clash on Nakamura, Roger Strong came in from the outside, threw Nak- threw uh, AJ Styles out of the ring, and got the one, two, three on Nakamura to get the win for NXT. This is a good. This was like I said, a great match. They could do better, I believe, if they get, were given more time. And I think that this match could be built up to be so much more important. But obviously, it was important enough being at Survivor Series, and it was important for brand supremacy. And I think Roger Strong was the, the right pick to win. And like I said, like they made NXT look amazing this weekend, but I've said that multiple times. Let's move on. Um, Brock Lesnar versus Rey Mysterio. Even though the match was only about five, ten minutes, amazing, amazing match. I think that uh, Rey Mysterio getting assistance from Dominic, and they hit that double 619, and then Dominic hit the frog splash. Rey Mysterio came in with the pipe and tried to destroy Brock Lesnar right out of the gate and was really getting the best of him. And then in one split second, boom, F5 and uh, Lesnar retains the title. That was the perfect way to book this match. You can't have a long, drawn-out match with Lesnar and Mysterio. It just wouldn't be believable. You had to have 
Lesnar just, if he hit an F5, that had to be the end. And that's how they booked it. And they gave Mysterio, they made him look strong. And then obviously he won the United States Championship the following night on Raw. So they have some good plans for Mysterio in the future. I would say the best match to possibly make right now for Rey Mysterio would be Mysterio versus uh, Andrade. We've already seen that match a bunch of times. But I think Mysterio versus Andrade or Mysterio versus Buddy Murphy could be an amazing match down the line. Up next, um, obviously the universe, the Universal Championship now on SmackDown. We had the Fiend Bray Wyatt versus Daniel Bryan. This match was great, great match. I don't like. Okay, I don't really like the lighting in terms of the Bray Wyatt match. Yes, it adds you know an aura to an already filled with aura Bray Wyatt. I think Wyatt is just as the fiend is what the WWE universe needs right now. I think he's injecting so much life into the championship scene and he has to keep that belt until WrestleMania. He cannot drop the universal title until WrestleMania. He needs a big fight feel for WrestleMania. And we're going to get into that obviously on the second part of the podcast. I'm about to run out of time, but we're going to stop this here and we'll go back to the universal championship match between Brian and the fiend. Okay. I'll catch you on the second part guys. Stay tuned. <laughs> 